0: Coming up, we will play with clip of a Pentagon spokeswoman hemming and hawing after she was asked about the fact that there have been 66 attacks now since October 17th. 66 attacks against U.S. troops by Iran. 66, that's a staggering number, and there's been virtually no retaliation from President Biden. Biden is terrified of Iran. The spokeswoman's reply was so pitiful, so bad, it made Karim Jean-Pierre actually look intelligent, actually look like Albert Einstein, Uh, Plus, Biden continues to tank in the polls. Elon Musk is in Israel as we speak. So much for and he met with Benjamin Netanyahu. He actually did a show on Twitter with Benjamin Netanyahu, like a podcast, met with President Herzog of Israel, toured the sites of the massacre. So much for the bogus narrative that uh, Musk is an anti-Semite. The state bans on abortion are working and they, the, the bans on abortion ever since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade are actually being extremely effective, saving thousands of lives of these poor babies, these innocent babies, uh, preventing them from, uh, being aborted, being ripped out of the womb. And it's incredible. We will bring you that data coming up. Uh A caller says, you know, we've been discussing why the Biden classified document scandal, why it ever was brought about. Why did the Biden lawyers ever go looking for classified, illegally held classified documents? So one caller says, oh, Biden did this to himself. Biden actually concocted the scandal himself and because it could help him. And there are a couple of different theories here. But the, the caller's point was, listen, Biden, his whole life, his whole administration is just one scandal after the next. You got the Hunter Biden scandal, of course, and then you have, the, the, you know, all these crimes and all these various Biden crime family scandals. So the classified document scandal, number one, maybe it's a distraction from inflation on the border and all the horrific Biden policies. Maybe he actually figured that an investigation into classified documents, especially since they're doing the same thing to Trump, maybe that's like the most innocuous and it could be a distraction and a smokescreen because biden his whole his whole legacy his, he, his his presidency is so bad, so incredibly awful, so hideous and egregious, and then the hunter Biden stuff and taking the money from China like the classified documents is the least of his worries, so that's actually uh it's actually a positive, which tells you everything the terrifying you need to know about the whole Biden administration to begin with. That's one theory. The other, you know, theory is that maybe it helps him, you know, when it comes to Ukraine, like there's just so many issues, Afghanistan, it, 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 there's just no end to what it could be help, helping him with. Maybe because he's just, he's surrounded by, like, negligence and incompetence. It, it just, it, it's awful. Another caller said that the reason that, uh, this, uh, the, the Democrats did this is to show that they're not uh specifically targeting Trump that that they actually wanted to demonstrate because of course the two tiered system of justice and we know that the the DOJ they've weaponized the justice system uh, to use against Trump to to try to throw him in jail and to basically target a political opponent and a political enemy so the the, the theory is Well, no, look, we're investigating Biden, too. Biden did the same thing as Trump, and we're investigating him. So it's not that we're specifically targeting Trump. Now, obviously, the flaw in that logic is that Trump is the one who's been indicted and been indicted for everything under the sun. Trump sneezes the wrong way. He gets indicted. And uh, Biden, of course, is being exonerated, not getting indicted for any of the scandals. So but I, I guess at least the idea is that, look, we tried, we investigated, and it goes even further. Biden cooperated. Look at Biden's lawyers. They keep voluntarily handing us all these documents. Trump, he stonewalled. He had the, the, the butler or whoever, you know, he had his like servants working in the in, in Mar-a-Lago putting things in closets and bathrooms and showers and they stonewalled for months. So that's like the narrative. I don't blame Trump because he knows they're out to get him. And Biden's lawyers, give me a break. I mean, for all we know, they might have shredded all the bad stuff and cooperated about the good stuff because the FBI never actually entered and searched themselves. So it's It's a total joke. It's a mockery to make to have the Biden lawyers be the ones searching, using the honor system. But that's the theory. That's what they tried to set up here. The narrative. Oh, well, Trump didn't cooperate, but Biden cooperated. Therefore, we get to exonerate Biden. The problem is not mishandling hundreds of classified documents. And the fact that Biden didn't even have the right to declassify because he was the VP when he took them out. The problem is the, the cooperation. So who knows? But those are some of the theories. Uh, Another caller uh, asked me the following question. Why would Trump have a better chance of winning in 2024 than in 2020? And look, uh, we're talking about the general election here. As far as the primary goes, it is over. I I don't know how anybody I, I, I saw that we're 50 days away here from the first primary, which is the Iowa caucuses. Uh So uh, Biden's I mean, Trump's lead Biden. Oh, wow. Trump's dominating like I've never seen. Now, he's a he's a former president. He, so in that sense, like he has like incumbent status. But like Trump's domination in the polls, Trump's lead in the polls. It's so off the charts. We have never ever seen at this point in the primary or any point in the primary, we have never seen a candidate, Republican or Democrat, in my lifetime, be leading consistently 40-50 points. You know, and and it's like, well, you say, you, you know, is support going to consolidate around? Because we have Pence dropping out, Tim Scott dropping dropping out, so it's down to basically Ramaswamy. By the way, many have pointed out that apparently I've been slipping and saying Ramaswamy with an N, and it's Ramaswamy with an M, and I don't know why I did that, but, uh you know, I, I did know at one point that his name was Ramaswamy. I find it, tr- like, tricky to pronounce Happens to be my, Ramaswani with an N is easier, but I'm not changing his name just because it may be simpler for me to pronounce that way. So that was just kind of a mistake and an oversight. Like so, you know, you say a lot of words, and names are never my thing, Happens to be. It's very tough because when it comes to primaries and when it comes to, you know, all the politics, I mean, you really have to know a lot of names, and I don't always have them sitting in front of me, written in front of me. So, in general, I believe it or not, I'm not great with names. So, you know, I go on 20, 25, 30 minutes and you guys hear the one time out of many, hopefully, that I get it wrong. I appreciate it. I want you to correct me. I certainly am a stickler for accuracy, but sometimes it's tough. And let's be honest, Ramaswamy, not exactly the easiest name, nor is Vivek or Vivek. But uh, anyway, the, uh, you, you, you would think that support may consolidate and there may they may gain on Trump, but what's actually happening is when these candidates drop out, some of them flock to other candidates. Some of them actually flock to Trump. So it's not like the the, the people who drop out are necessarily going to Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis. Those voters, those supporters. So anyway, my point is that uh, hands down, Trump is going to win the primary. I don't see any other option. The the, uh, the question is, as far as the general election, you know, I, I certainly think he has a strong shot of winning the general election. I've said that from day one. I, you, you never know that you cannot know. The pollsters get it wrong consistently. But the, the caller asked me, he lost in 2020. If it's a rematch, Trump versus Biden, we don't know that. By the way, I'm I'm convinced that Biden is not going to be the candidate, the nominee. But let's just assume for a moment that it's Trump versus Biden or somebody stronger than Biden. I think Gavin Newsom... Is stronger than Biden. I think Michelle Obama is stronger than Biden. I think uh, Mickey Mouse is stronger than Biden. But the question is, so what does Trump have to his advantage in twenty twenty four? Two things. Number one, the the Biden administration is a disaster. So if Trump runs against Biden, that would just, his policies Trump, in in, in twenty twenty Biden was neutral. And remember, he was on the coattails of Obama because he was Obama's VP. So a lot of people. Um, associated him with Obama, plus, of course, the scandals in 2020 that surround Biden. Biden's embroiled in scandal. Those were buried by the media. Now those the cat's out of the bag. Right. Those are very, very well publicized. So Biden has a lot of negatives, not I mean, more than a lot of negatives. So that's number one. And, and even if it's Newsom or even it's Michelle Obama, but people want to change, they want that would help. But they, they, they don't want a Democrat. OK, they're tired of the, of the Democrat policies. Number two, Trump knows the strategy. He will not make the same mistake again. So a lot of the issue with the cheating and the rigging back in 2020 with the universal mail-in ballots, remember Trump actually told voters, don't use mail-in ballots. Now that turned out to be a huge blunder, a huge mistake, because the mail-in ballots was incredibly beneficial, even without the rigging, you know, because it gave them a lot more days. It's a lot more sure thing. When you wait till the day of the election, just a lot of bad things could happen on that day. Just a lot of people end up not voting for whatever reason. So it's much safer bet to, Vote early, so uh, Trump's not going to make the same mistake again. He's going to be ready for it. Number one, they're going to scrutinize the ballot counting in a lot of these swing cities, swing states, and uh, Trump is—he's not going to let them outfox him again. Okay, he, he, he fell for it once; he's not going to fall for it again. He's going to—he's going to outsmart them in terms of the strategy, in terms of the mail-in ballots, and all of that. Plus, he had COVID. COVID was a big negative, a big blemish. A lot of people blamed. Trump for the COVID response, which was totally unfair. But, uh, you know, he was following Fauci and following, did whatever they told him to do, pretty much. And uh, nobody, nobody could have done a a better job. And in fact, there are a lot of things that Trump did very well, producing the ventilators and all of that. And then of course there's the vaccine. Whatever you think of the vaccine, but you know, he certainly executed it way quicker than anybody else would have. But COVID, the COVID response was a big negative for Trump. That's not going to be an issue in 2024. So for all those reasons, I think Trump has a much better shot in 2024. All right. Of course, the big news is that the ceasefire is in effect, and more importantly, the hostage deal and Baruch Hashem, Chast Hashem, many, many hostages have been released. Not nearly enough, but of course, uh, many hostages have been released at this point. It's been going on for several days, and now there's going to be more hostages that are released. So this is incredible news. And uh, look, there are many storylines, too many for us to cover, you know. But there have been some very, very heartbreaking, you know, horrific, unspeakable tragedies, of course, that have taken place, and then there were these stories of these little children being held hostage, who, some of them, Baruch Hashem, many of them, the wives and the children and the families, have been reunited, have been released. I mean, Emily Hand, that story is just on so many levels. That story was very, very heart-wrenching, and now, Baruch Hashem, she is released. Avigail Idan, that story has captured and captivated all of us, and uh, the, you know, the three-year-old girl and the two brothers are hiding in the closet. And you may know the story, but it's just an just an incredibly chilling story, a very tragic story. She did lose her parents. al Tzlon Hashem Yinkaim Damam. But uh, you know, now Avigail Idan has been, and I believe she's the only American citizen that's been released. It's fascinating to me that uh, that other American that that Biden has not insisted that more Americans be released to this point. The Usher family, which was a wife and two daughters who were abducted, their father was not with them at the time, and uh, they were taken, the father has been suffering beyond human comprehension, he said, Shema Yisrael, at, at the UN. So, so many heartbreaking stories, so many hostages remaining in captivity, but again, you know, Baruch Hashem, a lot of Yeshua's, so, uh, you know, the Tfilas, the S'chusim, they are accomplishing a lot. Again, it's not enough. Hopefully, it'll be all the hostages, Be'ez HaShem, at some point. And and here's what's interesting. You know, the ceasefire and this hostage deal was delayed by one day. It was supposed to originally happen on Thursday, and then it was delayed until Friday. And, you know, the Israelis said that it had something to do with Hamas not signing the deal. The, The story was sketchy. It was very unclear. Here's my theory. I'll just share with you a theory. You know, the Israelis came up with reasons, but I think the Israelis actually wanted to delay it for a day. And the reason is because... And I had this thought at the time, and then I'll tell you why I think it's confirmed, because uh, the Israelis, they, before a ceasefire, the ceasefire will be scheduled, right? And there'll be several hours or a day before the ceasefire takes effect. And historically, not just now. The Israelis will pound away for that last few hours. They will pound away. They will bomb and bomb and 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 just do all sorts of incredible damage. They will really lay on and pound fiercely the last few hours before the ceasefire, getting in like every single last uh, amount of uh, bombing and artillery that they can. That that's generally what I find. And I had that thought, and then what I discovered is the IDF confirmed targeted surgical killings of five high-ranking Hamas commanders just before the ceasefire agreement went into effect. The IDF says that they were able to kill five high-ranking Hamas commanders. Officials said the precision strikes were conducted using intel from the IDF and the Israel Security Agency, the ISA. So I suspect so they were able to literally kill, assassinate five high-level Hamas terrorist leaders right before the ceasefire took effect. So I think that's what happened is they realized that they needed a few more hours or they needed another 24 hours. They probably knew the locations and knew that these Hamas commanders would try to make their escape during the ceasefire. And who knows if others are doing the same thing. The Israelis, of course, are trying to protect against that. But we know there's a limit to what they can do. There's a reason Hamas wants the ceasefire. You have to keep that in mind. Now, you know, hopefully, the reason is Hamas is just hoping that they can just regroup a little bit or they're hoping that there will be political pressure on Israel to keep the ceasefire going and extend it. I don't know, but I'm always very wary. I'm being like very paranoid here. Why did Hamas, because they're willing to give up what they consider bargaining chip. They're willing to give up these very, very precious. Hostages, they're precious to us, but, but they're precious to Hamas, of course, in a very different way because, uh, you know, they want to keep as many, as much leverage as possible. So, th- th- by them giving it up, they're showing you that they value this ceasefire a lot. You wonder why, but either way, Israel, I suspect that was why they delayed it was because they wanted to carry out these assassinations. Alright, so a caller asked me, and we'll get to Elon Musk and Israel in a moment, but a caller asked me, uh, how could I say that Elon Musk, and I'm defending him, and I, I do not believe for a moment that Elon Musk has an anti-Semitic bone in his body. Um, but a caller said, how could I possibly justify, or how could I possibly explain, uh, Elon Musk's comments and Elon Musk's tweet about Jews if he's not anti-Semitic? And essentially the tweet was he was responding to an anti-Semite. An anti-Semite put out a tweet saying that, uh, Jews have brought about the hatred of whites and basically Jews have put minorities before whites, and these woke leftist Jews have uh, essentially spread anti-white hate and the hatred of whites. And the implication is that somehow, like Jews, want to displace whites, something along those lines. And uh, and that pulls, you know, that of course, alluding to an anti-Semitic trope. And Elon Musk said, "You speak the absolute truth," or something along those lines. And then Elon Musk later clarified he didn't mean all Jews. It's the ADL, but not only the ADL. Okay, so the caller said, how is that not anti-Semitic? You know, the caller said, what does that mean? If somebody says that Jews want to basically eradicate whites and create, spread around white hate, that is an anti-Semitic statement. And my answer is, and I tried to explain this last time, but it could be that I wasn't clear, is very simple. Elon Musk was not discussing Jews as a whole. He wasn't discussing the Jewish people or the Jewish nation. He was discussing certain groups of, of Jews and a limited number of groups of Jews so where he made the mistake was and and it's and it's an inexcusable mistake and I'm not condoning the mistake but you got to be careful just because somebody misspeaks doesn't make them an anti-semite and a lot of others have said he's not an anti-semite he's not he's simply not look at his track record and but, but, but what, what he did was he overgeneralized. So here's how I explain his statement without making it anti-Semitic is he was talking about a specific segment of, of the Jewish population and it's a significant segment. It's the ADL woke leftists, it's the secular Democrat Jews, there's a lot of them. I don't know the numbers, but there's a lot. He's talking about the J Street Jews and there's just a lot of Jews out there, liberal Jews, Jews who are basically self-hating, and they, 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 they're politically, like, correct, so to speak. They, 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 they defend minorities and they does bring about a lot of problems against themselves as Jews, but they basically don't like whites. And they're whites, by the way, but, but they have this, like, self hating guilt. So they promote all these very leftist radical causes and that has led Ironically, to a lot of anti-Semitism. And that's what Musk was talking about. So he's talking about not just the ADL. He's talking about the college professors. You know, there's there, there's a lot of Democrat Jews out there who have promoted um, racism against whites. That's what he's talking about. So the, the, how is that not anti-Semitic? I'll tell you how because he's only talking about those groups and yeah a lot of those groups are predominantly Jewish so he's referencing Jews but he didn't mean all Jews he didn't mean most Jews and yeah he's he misspoke because it sounded like he was like talking about Jews in general I'll give you an example right let's say that I said I said that black groups like BLM uh are, you know are racist against whites right so does that make me a big—if somebody says blacks are racist against whites, right, or, or or somebody says something along those lines, right, that blacks are extremists, extremist, that blacks like hurting are anti-police and, and something like that, right, that would be viciously racist. But if somebody says, well, there are black groups that do that, black, extremist black groups, Antifa, BLM, and, and, and talked about a, a segment of the black community, right? They're not, that's not racist. You're talking about one segment of the black community. Or, you know, if somebody says MS-13 gang members are animals, right? That's not. Uh, you know that, that that that's not racist against Hispanics. But if somebody says, you know, Mexican groups are or Mexicans are are animals or something like that, you, you understand? There's a fine line there where you're targeting or you're specifically referencing a group uh, uh, within a certain ethnicity. That's not racist and, and that's not bigoted to talk about one group. If you talk about MS13 gang, you know, MS13 gang members happen to mostly be predominantly Hispanic, but that's still not racist. But then if you get too carried away and you start talking about the group in general. Then you're towing the line and you're teetering on racism. So Musk, what he should have said is groups like the ADL, there are groups of Jews, there are segments of the Jewish population that are woke, that are leftist, that promote white hate. He should have said that. Instead, he was responding to a tweet. The tweet was generalizing about Jews. That tweet is probably an anti-Semitic tweet, no doubt about it. But Musk, all he meant to say was there are groups. There are these people, and yes, they're Jews, and yes, they're causing all these issues, and he's been targeted himself by them, but that doesn't make Musk an anti because the vast majority of Jews uh, do not are not like that, and Musk knows that and made that quite clear in the subsequent tweet. I hope that's clear. All right, so Musk met with, like I said, Bibi Netanyahu. He took a tour of Kfaraz. He took a tour of these uh, kibbutzim and these communities that, of course, were Massacred, uh, Anshmini Atzeris, uh, by Hamas, the border towns. He did this, uh, podcast, I guess. He did this, this interview. not the first time that he's done it with Bibi Netanyahu. And remember, Musk has pledged to combat and, and tackle anti-Semitism on Twitter. He's going to do everything he can to stop hate speech and to, 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 to censor out hate speech and uh, dangerous speech, speech that incites violence against Jews. So he's really pledged to do everything that he can, I think, to help Jews, to help the Jewish cause. I think he really is a true friend of the Jews, and uh, I think he's made that very, very clear. Another caller made the point. caller said, listen, it's good Trump is not president right now during this uh, Hamas, at the time when this Hamas massacre terrorist attack took place. He says a very interesting point here. He says that uh, imagine if Trump are president and, uh, of course, now Israel waging war on Hamas in retaliation from the attack. uh, He says the Democrats would not be nearly as supportive as they have been of Israel because what would happen? You know, Trump, what would happen? Trump would support Israel. And, of course, the Democrats, we know anything that Trump supports, the Democrats automatically go the other way and oppose. So the Democrats would be opposed to Israel just by virtue of the fact that Trump would be supporting Israel. Look, it's an interesting point. Uh, there's probably some truth to that. We know that even when Trump supported some no-brainer causes, Democrats have this irrational Trump derangement syndrome need to oppose whatever Trump likes, even when it's like something like very obvious that you should hate, like China. So, um, you know, and and other things, too, you know, so so uh, it's a good point. You know, there's a counterpoint, which is, well, maybe it would never have happened under Trump to begin with, because, of course, Biden, you know, I heard somewhere Biden has allowed Iran, Iran's making like two some some astounding number, like $2 billion a week that they're earning on oil sales that were sanctioned under Trump. Trump's sanctions prevented Iran from basically selling oil to anywhere in the world, and Biden just totally uh, lifted those sanctions, which is, which is despicable. Why? Why did Biden even do that? I mean, it's just, there, there, it's totally, totally inex, inexplicable. And inexcusable, but, um, so, so that gave Iran, that gives them an extra $2 billion a week. Not to mention Biden, of course, released the $6 billion for the hostage trade and then, uh, $10 billion now recently. So something like $50 billion that, Ar- that, that, that Biden has pumped into the Iranian economy. Meanwhile, Iran, so, so Biden literally funded Hamas. So you wonder if maybe Trump or president, if the Hamas attack never even would have happened, did not happen under Trump's watch, of course. And, and and not to mention the fact you have Iranian proxy groups that are now uh, bombing and we'll get to that clip here in a moment bombing uh, and attacking U.S. military troops in the Middle East and Biden's complicit he's literally handing them billions and then going then going and, and turning around and doing this and 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 you get these token responses he's bombing these empty weapons facilities that like an empty storage facilities. And nobody's even there. And he's reaffirming to to Iran, wink, wink, you can do whatever you want and, and, and we're not going to stop you. All right. So on that note, listen to this clip. Like I said, it's almost laughable. This is Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh. <laughs> she was asked about these uh, attacks against U.S. troops, as I said. Listen to this clip.
1: These U.S. counter And you pointed out that there have been 66 attacks by Iranian-backed yeah. militia groups on U.S. coalition forces since yeah. October 17th. Why aren't these U.S. counterstrikes working as a deterrence strategy? Well, you know, I would push back on that. I know, I know, sixty-six is a high number, but again, we have days sometimes where we don't have attacks. So, is it it, like would you say that the strategy is not working if one day goes by where there's not an attack on U.S. forces? I'm not saying that that's the way to caveat it, but what I am saying is that what what we're not seeing, we don't want to see this conflict widen out. What Um, we will respond when we feel at the time and place of our choosing that we need to respond. We Never. have three times already. We did again last night. Oh. um, I, I, I wouldn't say that again, it's not working. Humana, humana, humana. Um, I would say that we are being very deliberate in our strikes and what we target these groups. While, uh, have, have inflicted some minor damage to infrastructure. Um, right now we are seeing non-serious injuries, um, minor damage to infrastructure in comparison to, um, weapons facilities being destroyed, uh, a command and control center node being leveled. Um, and, and so again, and, and, and another, um, I'm sorry, and a training facility also, uh, destroyed. So again, if you look at this, the, the, um, the scope and the, the ability for us to respond, we've been very precise and have inflicted a lot of damage.
0: Yeah, I will agree with her. Very precise, very deliberate. Yeah, deliberately doing nothing. Oh, a training facility. Well, that's, that, I mean, Iran's just gotta be devastated by, ravaged by the training facility that was destroyed. Again, with no people in it magically. And, uh, and, and you know, minor damage. Tell that to the, uh, to, to, to the dozens of U.S. troops who have had brain injuries and brain trauma as a result of these attacks. But like, Sixty-six attempts. What we have done is commensurate, and what we have done is we're waiting for the to, for our move to make our move. I, 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 who is she kidding and just stammering away? It would literally it would be almost left. there. Are days that go by where we're not at There are days- congratulations. This is the new bar. This is the new standard. Is. Well, you're upset that Iran has attacked us 66 times. We've retaliated with three times. They attack our troops, living, actual human breathing troops, and we're attacking empty storage facilities and empty weapons facilities. But by the way, not every single day they have. They've attacked us 66 times versus three. That seems like it's not commensurate. That seems like a really bad ratio. But there are some days that they don't attack us. Congratulations. Give yourself a pat on the back. I mean, it it would be laughable, except it's really serious. And basically what they're saying is, hey, Iran, keep attacking keep keep committing these acts of war you're, by the way funding Hamas and funding terror groups and the Houthi rebels are going and attacking you know and 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 taking over basically Israeli ships in 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 the sea and you got the Houthis and you got Hezbollah who are uh, have all these uh, weapons that they're uh, stockpiling here getting ready to, to 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 possibly attack hopefully not but um yeah no it, the, 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 the this is fair this is even hey ran acts of war against us we're doing nothing in response all right. A new poll says that 40 percent of Democrats do not want Biden to run again. Forty percent of Democrats of his own party. He's being rejected by his own party. That's a high number. And uh, and by the way, the reason is, number one, because they want to be able to afford gas. They want to be able to afford a loaf of bread, but also because they know that Biden is a huge liability. I mean, this man is the worst president in American history by far, hands down, there's a Harris poll. 25% of Republicans say the same thing about Trump. They want Trump to not run again. That's not quite as much of a surprise. That's not high. You know, that, that you're going to always have with an incumbent a number. 25 is a, a, a slightly high number, but it doesn't faze me. But 40% of Democrats say Biden should not run again. Uh, you know, the FBI has had a total of 40 confidential informants feeding them information about Biden, various criminal activity conducted by the Biden family. This is astonishing. 40 confidential informants the FBI has had. This goes back to, this according to Senator, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley, and he has actually inside knowledge of this. The FBI has had can you imagine if that came something like that came out about Trump and Trump we know the whole Russia hoax was a witch hunt and he had many 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 witch hunts against him but the FBI and this is not a witch hunt there's a, a huge amount of evidence now you literally have the remember they they talked about the checks you know let can we find canceled checks and bank accounts where you actually find money being funneled from China and Ukraine and Russia to Joe Biden's account, and they literally have those checks now. James Comer, he's published them, but, uh, but 40 confidential informants uh, about the FBI has spoken with and gotten information from regarding criminal activity, alleged criminal activity by the Biden family, by different members of the Biden family, including Joe Biden. Now, how has the media not... Now, the media, of course, they shut it down, the, the, down these stories. They bury these things because they want to bury these things. But in addition, the FBI has actually... Shut these stories down. When the media has gotten wind of some of this stuff, the FBI will just tell the media, listen, it's Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation. And the media will say, oh, well, it's foreign disinformation. Then, of course, we're not going to report it, just like they did with the Hunter Biden laptop, where you literally had 51 uh, intel, 51 leaders in the intel, uh, in various intel departments, 51 intelligent senior officials Signing a false letter, a bogus letter, claiming the Hunter Biden laptop was a fake and was Russian disinformation, which was a lie. And, of course, none of them facing any consequences. All right, so exciting news. As I said, uh, the the state bans on abortion have, have been working. They haven't been helping the Republicans politically, of course, but they have caused thousands of more babies to be born. This is actual data. Um, state bans on abortion have led to 32,000 additional births. So Democrats want to kill babies. They do kill babies in blue states, but in red states, they are saving babies' lives. And this was Trump. Trump single-handedly appointed these very, very staunch conservatives to the Supreme Court. And that, that literally brought about thousands of more babies being born. How incredible is that? Doesn't get any credit. An analysis, um, published last week by the Institute of Labor Economics, about 32,000 more babies were born. Because of state abortion bans that have been enacted since the court overturned Roe v. Wade, births have increased in every state with an abortion ban. They actually checked birth data from the CDC and between one fifth and one fourth of women living in the 14th states that have abortion bans um, did not get an abortion that the other might m- might have gotten based on, again, comparing the statistics and the numbers to two years before the ban. An average of 2.3% more babies were born in states with abortion bans compared to states without the bans. So, it's an incredible number. They, they, literally, the numbers show 32,000 additional babies born and it, it happened literally in the states where they have banned abortion. And again, it doesn't help the Republicans politically. Politically, it's like the third rail. It's, it's very toxic and they're gonna have to figure out some way to address that, but it is an incredible policy and it's accomplishing exactly what we were hoping it would accomplish. Uh staggering new report, the amount of spending, the total amount of additional spending that took place, government spending as a result of COVID, $7.5 trillion, $7.5 trillion of additional money. It's in addition to all the trillions that the government spends every year to begin with, were pumped into the economy. And then they wonder why inflation is out of control. This is why inflation is out of control because they literally created spending 7.5 trillion dollars in additional spending p- programs and that money gets flooded throughout the country and that devalues the dollar like crazy uh mostly covid relief and of course ukraine funding this is according to the heritage foundation um Let's see. And by the way, the White House keeps saying inflation is going down. It's a lie. Inflation is not going down. It was just, it was so, it was a going, growing at such a high rate. Now it's growing at a slightly lesser rate. That's not called inflation going down. It's actually still going up, but it's going up at a less rate. It's like, it's like you're going from like, Fifty to eighty miles, like it's like you you go from fifty miles an hour to eighty miles an hour in your car in like two seconds and then you go from eighty to ninety miles an hour ninety to one hundred miles an hour, but it takes four seconds instead of two seconds that's what it that, that's what it means they' they're looking at the it it's actually going up but they're but it's going up at, at not as quickly as it was going up that 's literally what these numbers mean anyway uh the amount of additional spending passed by Congress from march twenty twenty through december twenty twenty two which was the covid era is astonishing. Like I said, $7.5 it's more than $57,000 per household. So if they had just given every household $57,000, that would have accomplished the same thing, except we'd actually have that money. We'd be able to put into savings or invest the money. Instead, they did it through COVID spending. So it ended up being totally wasted and all the fraud and everything else. $57,000 per household spent on COVID. It's It's insanity, ludicrous, The COVID relief in March of 2020 was 2.2 trillion. American Rescue Plan, 1.9 trillion. Infrastructure Bill, which was again, basically a response to COVID and was not about infrastructure, was 1.2 trillion and something we couldn't afford even if it was about infrastructure. Democrat, the, the December 2020 stimulus package, again, COVID relief, 930 billion. Inflation Reduction Act, which increased inflation, 565 billion. The Ukraine Supplemental Appropriations Bill, 113 billion. Unbelievable. And Heritage Foundation says it's not just the Democrats to blame. You can blame Republicans, too, as I keep saying. This is not Republican versus Democrat. I'm sorry, I'm not giving the Republicans a pass here, and I'll even blame Trump to some degree. But Heritage says, quote, members of Congress from both parties use COVID to give up any pretense of fiscal responsibility, use deficit spending to enact a panoply of new programs. All lawmakers must work to return to responsible governance immediately. Yeah, good luck. Don't hold your breath the chinese military this is very very disturbing and frightening the chinese military confronted a us ship the chinese military encountered a us ship in international waters so the us ship uh, this us vessel which was which was a warship by the way had every right to be there and yet the chinese military the chinese navy literally chased it out chased it away and it went flying okay it fled the the this us warship fled Um, from the threat of this Chinese naval ship, and it had no right to do so. The Chinese ship had no right to chase the the U.S. ship away. The American ship had every right to be there. But again, we're terrified of China, and we run. We are cowering in fear. Thank you, President Biden. Trump never would have done this. So what happened was the Chinese military confronted the US, U.S. ship in international waters, forced it to leave, and um China claims they own the territory, but they don't. And this is part of the problem. This is a huge part of the problem is China keeps claiming more and more territory in the South Pacific and nobody's doing anything to stop them. They're literally just taking control over a huge chunk of the South Pacific. And it's very, very dangerous. They're gaining an awful lot of power and leverage. So but one second, I, I thought that there was no friction anymore between the Chinese military and the U.S. military. Remember, Biden Biden and, and President Xi, they ironed out their differences. Remember how Biden looked President Xi in the eye and they agreed that their militaries would cooperate. There'd be no more fric- friction. Uh, remember, they knocked out all the homeless people. They kicked out the homeless people in San Francisco, cleaned it up. By the way, I was wondering, are, are the homeless people back? What happens if you go to San Francisco now where the streets once again riddled with homeless people now that China has left? Somebody made the point, a comedian, Bill Maher, he said that, why did you need President Xi? Why do you need to clear out the homeless people? You have all these people addicted to fentanyl in San Francisco. And President Xi is the one who's sending them the fentanyl. So, like, what would be so bad if he actually sees the results of the fentanyl that he himself is creating? He himself is sending to the U.S. Pretty sad. And he also made the point, and it's a great point. He said that the Democrats have exposed their own hypocrisy and, you know, their own negligence here because by showing that, yeah, we actually know how to clear out uh a, a city from homeless people. We just don't want to do it. He says even a lot of Democrat voters are annoyed about that because they live in these cities and you know they don't want they, they, they don't they don't want, you know, they, they talk the big talk. They want homeless people in other people's cities, not in their own cities. So they're furious as well. But um but either way, I obviously they didn't iron out their differences. China's military uh drove out a U.S. warship from waters that it claims to own in the South China Sea accused the United States of being the biggest destroyer of peace and stability in the region. So they're spreading their bogus propaganda. Senior Colonel Tian Yunli, spokesman for the People's Liberation Army, said the guided missile destroyer USS Hopper entered China's territorial waters illegally. Now, again, that's not true. They were legal, but the, but China says it's illegal and they keep doing this. They keep claiming more and more territory that's not theirs, and chasing foreign uh, vessels out. And it's very, very dangerous because China is gaining this major stronghold. Their military is extremely powerful, and the United States' military is weak, pitiful, and terrified. They, 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 they run with their tail between their legs. They drove it away uh, according to law. That's what China's saying. It's not according to law. Tian criticized the United States, labeling the action as a serious violation of China's sovereignty and security. This is what they do. They play these games. Very, very dangerous games. And they're testing. They are testing Biden, and Biden is failing abysmally. Um, this is not Chinese territory. They've claimed the entire South China Sea as their own. That is totally made up by them. They're enforcing it. Biden backs off. It is really, really very upsetting. All right, the Washington, D.C. Metro Police Department has announced that Washington, D.C. has now surpassed 900 carjackings over the past year. 900 carjackings. And listen, this is according to the carjacking dashboard. And when I saw this, Washington, D.C., the Metro PD, which is Washington, D.C.'s uh, police force, they have a carjacking dashboard. So you know when you have a problem? Here's how you know you have, your city has a problem, Washington, D.C. When they have their own carjacking dashboard, I don't want to live in a city that has a carjacking dashboard in the first place. That is how you know you're in trouble. So 901 carjackings year to date, uh, and only 157 carjacking arrests. 77 um, percent of the carjackings committed in Washington D.C. involved a firearm. So it's really terrifying. And just so you know, compared to last year, it is 400. Last year was 484 carjackings for the entire year. Now it's 900, and the year's not even over. So that is really terrifying. Um, the uh, and of course we know that they're combating carjacking with a uh with dash cams and air tags. They're not they're not hiring more police. They defunded the police. They're not prosecuting these car thieves. But the DoorDash actually funded um camera kits for Dash Cams. Five hundred thousand dollars to pay for twenty five hundred camera kits, dash cams. So now now, by the way, they don't really understand how this is going to work You know, uh, Jessica Gray, a high school administrator, she was waiting in line for an air tag, and she was interviewed by a reporter, and she said she didn't really understand. She said, when you think about the response time, by the time the police respond and track down the car, is there going to be anything left of the car? And police, Sergeant Anthony Walsh, didn't promise that police would be able to recover a stolen car intact, but he said that they'll be able to track the thieves and hopefully pull security camera footage uh, the, that the route uh, of the route taken by the thieves and tracked down the thief. And eventually, I mean, give me a break. The whole thing's just a joke. It's just it is a PR stunt. All right. The NYPD is leaving the police officers in the NYPD, leaving the police force in droves. We'll have to wait till next time. President Biden is using an obscure law from the Cold War era to ban gas stoves. And we have gone from don't believe those conspiracy theorists. The, your gas stoves are safe your gas appliances. Biden doesn't want to ban them. We've gone from that to literally a Fox headline. Quote, Biden invokes wartime powers to fund electric heaters as he cracks down on gas appliances. You can't make this stuff up. I guess that's going to wait till next time too. That's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.